Off the Ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband. This team that had their optimist hoping for a competitive season to challenge for the NFC East title won 13 games along the way and overcame the losses of Jason Peters, Darren Sproles, Jordan Hicks, Caleb Sturgis, Chris Maragos, and finally Carson Wentz. Wow. No reason. For the first time in 13 years, the Eagles are headed for the Super Bowl and a rematch with the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52. Yeah, the uh, legendary voice, Merrill Reese, and I'm delighted to say Merrill is on the line. Uh, for our Irish listeners, Merrill's an American broadcasting legend, the play-by-play announcer on Philadelphia Sports Radio. Been calling the Eagles since 1977, 41 years and counting, Merrill, and uh, that sounded like it could have been the happiest you've ever been. It was happy. Uh, I'd be even happier this Sunday night if they beat the Patriots. Tell me a little bit about the level of um, confidence that you're experiencing from the Eagles fans. Well, I think Eagles fans are uh, they're confident, but they're, they're what you call cautiously optimistic because they've had this kind of opportunity before and they've never come through with the Super Bowl championship. So, uh, yeah, they're happy. And they're, they're excited about this team that seemingly came out of nowhere to get to the biggest game in pro football. But the, you know, they know that these are the New England Patriots. They're playing against the team with the, the greatest coach-quarterback combination, Belichick and Brady, in NFL history. So it's a, it's a tough task, but they think, and, and I believe that the Eagles, if they play well, are capable of winning. I, I see how they're capable of winning, but how can they possibly win without Carson Wentz? Well, if you've watched the Minnesota game, uh, you saw Nick Foles uh, with a quarterback rating of over 140, which is almost perfect. He played a great game. Uh, Nick Foles did very well in the second half to take them past Atlanta. And it's not just Nick Foles. Uh, it's a matter of an offensive line playing extremely well. The receivers doing their jobs. It's a... The whole thing with this team has been that they are a team, that they are probably the, the – this is a team with great, great ability and great resilience throughout the season. I guess as well they're a team that have been unified by the level of criticism that they've faced. You know, um, Doug Peterson, for example, early on in the season, completely written off by Mike Lombardi, famously. Um, and I guess that must have hurt as uh, somebody who kind of been associated with the city in the past. Was that a narrative? Was that was that a, a did that get picked up much in Philly? Well, they made a big deal out of it on the talk shows, but uh, anybody who, who knows Doug Peterson knows that uh, that was a ridiculous statement for Lombardi to make that he's the least qualified coach that he's seen in thirty years. I mean, that was that was just silliness, and if anything, it made Mike Lombardi look extremely foolish. Uh, Doug Peterson was a good coach. He's been around. He was a quarterback in this league for 14 years. He's uh, worked with Don Shula and Mike Holmgren and under Dan Marino and Brett Favre. And he's got a wealth of knowledge from being with Andy Reid. So he's a he's a very very sound coach, and he's a guy that the players really respect. The the other thing that we've been reading a lot about um, is just the the 
Philly fan base and you know this is a hardcore group of fans who have a, a reputation that precedes them for for being tough and and ultimately I guess part of that toughness comes from just this desperate want that they have for the team to progress I think you're right I, I think it's called passion this, this is a passionate fan base they really are but the, yeah they'll, they'll boo but that's because they care so much and the players understand that uh, it's it's a very critical fan base, but boy, I'll tell you what, they've come out, they've filled the, the stadiums that this team has played in, including Lincoln Financial Field, for a long time. They are uh, they are amazing. They are great fans. Tell me about your own um, approach to a game like this, obviously, because, you know, the, the ebb and flow of the regular season, it's game after game after game, half of them at home, there's a bit of travel, there's stuff to do during the week, but there's actually a week off, really, a proper full week off for you to get ready heading into a Super Bowl. And for the enormity of the event and the occasion and the fact that no matter what happens, people might watch the game on TV, but they'll come and they'll look for your call, particularly if the Eagles win in the aftermath of the game. Well, a lot of them actually turn down the sound on the TV and they listen to me and my, my broadcast partner, Mike Quick. And that's a very gratifying thing. They're, they've been wonderful fans to us. As far as my own preparation is concerned, I came here to Minneapolis with the team. I fly on the team plane uh, last Sunday. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm about ready for this game to begin. It's a long, cold week. I mean, the temperatures are zero and below. And uh, mostly I am around the hotel. I speak with the players often. But my preparation for the game isn't any different than it is for any other game during the regular season where you, you memorize the numbers that you have to memorize. You put together your statistics. You plan what you're going to do at the opening of the show. And uh, you, you go from there. But you don't over-prepare. You don't come up with all kinds of minute statistics that would only bore the average fan. So you, you know that you prepare hard. I work very, very diligently at being ready for every game, and you treat this one the same. Now, once the game begins, the, the big plays become even more magnified because of the significance of the game. But going into the game, your preparation is essentially the same. The, um, the, the thing that always particularly interests me is that you get quite a lot of access to the team um, as a broadcast partner in the build-up and you, you actually get some time with the coaches and the coaching staff and they talk to you a bit about the game plan that obviously you can't reveal in advance but so that when they pull certain things in the middle of the game you can go, yeah, we talked about this with the coaches during the week. I'm obviously not going to ask you about the specifics of, of what they're going to do but in terms of what their attitude is like this week, are they different from they are from a run-of-the-mill conference game in the middle of the season? Have you noticed any change in their demeanour? None whatsoever, and that's been the fascinating point. I've been with two other Super Bowl teams, and you can see the tightness as you get closer and closer to the game day. Uh, with this team, they are very loose, they're very relaxed, and that all comes from Doug Peterson, who doesn't get too high or get too low, and they really look like they're having fun, but this is not a group that, that looks as if they're tense and they're saying, oh, we're playing the mighty New England Patriots. Look, they respect the Patriots. Who wouldn't? I mean, this is a team that's won five Super Bowls, with Brady and Belichick. But, uh, look, they're going to go out there and they're going to play the best they possibly can. And before the game, they're going to be nervous. Before the game, before any game, I'm nervous. I feel the butterflies. But once it begins, it's football, and you go out and you play. Um, how much does Philly hate Boston? 
Oh, I, mean, I think hate is a strong word. I think I they hate the devil. We're, we're allowed to use it here. In, in, we're, we're in Ireland. We can use it. You can tell the truth here. No one, no one, no one in Boston is going to hear you. No, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I don't think... I think I think nationally there's a certain resentment of the Patriots because they win all the time. I mean, they're like you know, the way they people used to treat the New York Yankees. They win all the time. So if you're not a fan of either team... You're probably going to be rooting for the Eagles because they're they're tired of the Patriots already. But in Philadelphia, the Patriots are not really the hated foe. Uh, that is generally reserved for the Dallas Cowboys. I think everybody rallies behind hating the Dallas Cowboys, right? That's kind of a the one unifying force of American life. Right, I agree. <laughs> Merrill, best of luck. Uh, rest your voice, and thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen, and uh, hi to everybody in Dublin. That's uh, Merrill Reese there calling the game on uh, Philly local radio. And of course, uh, as I suspected, um, win or lose, you're probably going to hear some reaction from those guys uh, doing the rounds uh, in the aftermath of the game. In the meantime, Kian Fahey, friend of the show, welcome home. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting ready for this Super Bowl. It's uh, not the two teams I was expecting, but Patriots are always there. Kind of, the Eagles are kind of a bit of a surprise after Wentz going down. So it should be some fun. You've um, been making news yourself. Unfortunately, yeah. Look, it's—I it, obviously made a mistake. I did something there. I, I was working for ESPN a month ago. For those who don't know, I'm not anymore. And honestly, it's like talking to Irish people about this stuff and and what happened. It's kind of—it's kind of eased myself a little bit because everyone kind of has a story of just culturally, you kind of make a, you, you have different ways of doing things in Ireland and in America. And so it, it's alright. It's something we'll move on. And kind of just focus on football at this point. And you're—you um, are going to continue working in football and you think you might get back to the States <laughs> sometime soon well I'm here auditioning for Off the Ball I don't know is, yeah, how's, how's it going is it, am I doing alright yeah, so far so good uh, so listen talk to us about this because the, the question obviously it's facetious at this point you know how the hell can they win without Carson Wentz but it would be remarkable for a team to lose somebody who was performing at the level Carson Wentz was so late in the season and then subsequently to win the Super Bowl it almost never happens yeah, it does, but you. I was, I was actually just amazed to hear that Michael Lombardi quote because I hadn't heard it and I reacted to it. You wouldn't have heard it, but visibly I reacted to it because that's amazing to me. Doug Peterson is a phenomenal coach and he, he's built this offense where it, it's all options. It's all, like generally in football, it's the, the play is called and the play is going to work a certain way and it's the quarterback's responsibility to make it work against whatever defense, whatever coverage a defense plays. But what Doug Peterson has done has he's made the decision come after the snap rather than before the snap. So you will often see the, the quarterback catch the ball, hold it in front of the running back and he's not looking at the running back. He's looking at, at a defender on the edge and he He's making a decision after the ball is snapped whether he's going to throw it outside or where he's going to hand it off up the middle. And that kind of changes the setup of the game because it's no longer that the offense has picked something to do. It's the offense is waiting to see what the defense does and reacting that way. And Wentz, much of Wentz's success came that way. Like early this season, they put 50 points up on the Denver Broncos, a great defense. And for four of the five touchdowns, Von Miller was unblocked. So they, they didn't even try and stop Von Miller. What they did was they did exactly what I just said. They, they looked at him and they looked at what he was going to do. And if he came near the quarterback the quarterback threw the ball outside if he stayed outside the, the quarterback gave the ball to the running back up the middle and it puts the defence in this really tough situation where they can't be proactive they have to react to everything and the, the reason I, I'm, I, I know you're kind of heavy on the Patriots here and that's kind of a safe thing to do historically but for me, I feel like the Eagles are the better team. And like for a long time, you talk about Tom Brady and oftentimes people talk about his supporting casts and they kind of play them down to push Brady up. 
this year I think it's true in previous years I don't think it's been true this year they are a bad football team and Brady has carried them a little bit and it's they've benefited from playing in the AFC but to me it feels like the Eagles as a whole obviously the quarterback Brady's better much much better than Folds but the Eagles are built in such a way they're built, they have so much talent that they should be able to attack and exploit this Patriots defence much like the Kansas City Chiefs did in week one Okay so that week one um, everybody thought oh potential crisis here for the Patriots and their their defence was crap for the first month but they they got it together eventually they kind of absorbed what was going on and um, so they still have some issues clearly with that but you just think the brain power the final tour for that trio of coaches as as that coaching team and ticket breaks up that they've got that brain power as well as Brady yeah it, it's huge obviously but they're like Belichick can do a lot he can he can set up you in a lot of ways what he can't do is make a linebacker run faster what he can't do is make a linebacker better at reading a de- an offense as it breaks down and the reason the Patriots defense was really bad earlier in the year and was better later in the year wasn't some magic that Belichick was doing it was the type of offenses they were facing Cam Newton and the Panthers were able to pull that offense apart because they had a mobile quarterback and they had all these option designs a lot of play action a lot of screens there was a screen too I think it was Christian McCaffrey where he was walked in there was literally no one left on, on the, the left side of the defence for the Patriots because they don't have the discipline they don't have the, the, the range to recover the Jaguars in the AFC Championship game kept running the same option play with a screen on the left side and they're running up the middle and, and Blake Bortles of all people Blake Bortles was able to make an efficient offence and actually throw the ball on that defence because they didn't know how to react and this is exactly what the Eagles have done all season so the Eagles are phenomenal at this and this is the best team they have faced all year Didn't the Pats work it out against all of those teams eventually so maybe not against um, Carolina but they did as the game wore on work it out against well, the, Jaguars well it's this is the thing and this is the, the kind of the challenge with the NFL right now the AFC is so far behind the NFC like I think there was probably three or four teams in the NFC this year who if they won the Super Bowl you wouldn't be surprised there were two or three teams who didn't even make the playoffs in the NFC who would have been the second best or the best team in the AFC like they've beaten uh, the Tennessee Titans with Mike Malarkey a team that was completely terribly run that's where the coaching came in huge because Malarkey against Belichick is just it's a monstrous disadvantage and then they've beaten Blake Bortles and the Portals and that Jaguars offense is so lacking in talent. They lost Allen Robinson at the start of the year. They had a guy like Keelan Clay who's played well, but he's like an undrafted level guy. He's, he was their primary receiver with D.D. Westbrook as well. Those guys aren't talented. But you've now got the Eagles where they've got Alshon Jeffrey. Like you, you don't have anyone who's going to match up to Alshon Jeffrey. You've got Torrey Smith, who's a good second receiver. You've got Zach Ertz, who's been a phenomenal year at, at tight end. When, when Carson Wentz was on the field, Zach Ertz was probably the best piece for the Eagles. And then you've got Nelson Aguilar, who has blossomed into this phenomenal football player who... In previous years, he, like Aguilar had struggled a lot with drops and a lot with poor routes. And this year, whatever has happened with Peterson, he's developed him in such a way that he's become one of these really reliable players, an explosive player. And I, I think the coaching, obviously, Belichick will know what to do. But if you go back to last year's Super Bowl, like all we talk about is the comeback. But for that comeback to happen, they had to be down by 25 points. Yeah. And it was the same thing. The Falcons with Kyle Shannon pulled the defence from left to right and, and had them confused. They were slow and they took advantage of it. That'll be the same thing with this with this Eagles offense. So you don't think that Nick Foles is enough of a handicap for the Eagles for this to not work? Nick Foles is infuriating because he's not a good quarterback. On his own, he is a very bad quarterback. But you know, when you put a guy in the right situation, when you ask him to do very little, when you ask him to only hand the ball off or make simple throws, it's something he can do. But he was doing the RPOs, like so he, yeah. he he's smart enough to be able to to do that to 
give the linebacker the the eyes to get them out of position and then to go actually look I've got somebody in behind you so he's not not that bad yeah yeah that's 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 the reality of, of what of that offense though and that's the beauty of like why Doug Peterson has become one of my favorite coaches because he is literally like the, the Mike Malarkey okay Mike Malarkey with the Titans we mentioned him already he took a team that didn't win any games for two years and he got them to eight and eight and eight and eight and then they fired him and the reason they fired him was because Marcus Mariota was not developing and Marcus Mariota was not set up in a good situation Malarkey asked Mariota to do things that no quarterback should be asked to do. What Doug Peterson does and why Doug Peterson is brilliant, he asks his quarterbacks to do things that any quarterback should be able to do. I just think there's a recency bias when everybody's talking about the Eagles in that the Atlanta game, um, Atlanta had one of those seasons where it didn't really work for them. They couldn't get the ball to their best player at any point in the entire season. I think he scored three touchdowns and had one good game really where he uh, torched the opposition and uh, it took an absolute freak where a defender has the ball should just have it in his hands but for some reason it comes off his knees and bounces back and Torrey Smith catches yeah. it and saves it like that play doesn't happen you feel like even Atlanta wouldn't have screwed up that second half Nick Foles did that for 16 games one season and finished with 27 touchdowns and 2 interceptions I think this might be just something that Nick Foles does but no the, the key to me there is Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Falcons. Dan Quinn is a Pete Carroll disciple in Seattle with the Seahawks. Dan Quinn cares about athletes. He cares about speed. He, he's got Deion Jones. He's got Vic Beasley. All he's got are athletes and speed. That matches up perfectly to the Eagles and what they wanted to do. But the, the Patriots don't have that. They've got guys like Kyle Vannoy. The Patriots traded away Jamie Collins. They traded away Chandler Jones. Dominic Easley got hurt. So all the talents that they had in that front seven, it's completely gone now. So you're going to be asking guys to cover ground that they simply can't cover and well the Falcons could do it and the actually the big surprise to me was the Vikings weren't able to do it they should have been able to do it as well so I, I, maybe that's a little bit of recency bias just because they did destroy that team but I, I don't think I would read that much into the Falcons matchup just because it's a very different uh, different type of game a different style of defence Okay so if you're you know all this right uh, if you're the Patriots and you're thinking this doesn't look so good what do you do what like um, the one of the Philadelphia strengths is that they've got depth, particularly in their defensive front seven. So you just you just keep them on the field the whole time. You you play up tempo. You try and make three yards, three yards, three yards, as opposed to going for the long bombs. If you're the the Patriots, what's the the Patriots' winning game plan here? Well, generally you want to try and use double moves against the Eagles' cornerbacks, and teams have exploited that this year. But the problem is, and the reason the reason you exploit that is the Eagles' cornerbacks are able to be aggressive because they've got a great pass rush. I don't think the Patriots have the offensive line to do that. So this is a game for me where, look, you've got Tom Brady. You, your best role, your best option here is put the ball in Brady's hands and say, here, you're, you might throw the ball 60 times in this game. And they've done that before. A couple of years ago, they played the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens had a great run defense, but a questionable secondary. So they spread the field. They just threw the ball over and over and over again. So I would probably do that. I would probably just trust Brady to diagnose the coverages, get the ball out quick, short, short five, ten-yard passes, not deep balls and it, it's not ideal because they don't have Julian Edelman who tore his ACL before the start of the year but Danny, Danny Amendola's had a great year Brendan Cooks has had a really good year as well and you've still got Gronkowski there who's capable of a big play at any moment Yeah I think the thing about um, Gronkowski is that they haven't fully unfurled him yet and then obviously in the one game where it looked like they might do it he ends up getting concussed very early on in the match yeah, Like, 
I just think that they've got that in their locker at the moment and they still have the ability for Dion Lewis to have a big game. That's it, it, why it does feel like sometimes that like Brady always makes the right decision and always makes the good decision and it kind of feels like sometimes when you've got Gronk just make the bad decision and throw it to Gronk regardless yeah. and that works. And I, I think they're a bit reluctant to do that just because Brady's a perfectionist and he wants yeah. to do the right thing all the time. But they might need to do it in this yeah. game. and So that's why there's that and there's also I just remember the first couple of plays when um, Cam Newton was in the Super Bowl a couple of years back and him just looking a bit shook by the whole occasion oh, yeah. like that can also happen to a Nick Foles or to um, that's where Peterson comes in and, and the beauty of that offence is I've talked a lot about it there already but I haven't even mentioned that they've got JJ they've got Legarre Blunt they've got Corey Clement who has played quite well they, they have this stable of running backs behind this offensive line that can just maul people and so if, if they are scared of what Foles is going to do early in the game they will just look to run the ball and, so they can give him a, an easy into the game yeah you can say well you see running the ball obviously it sets up play action and it, it eases the pressure on the quarterback but especially against a front seven like if you go back to that Jaguars game Leonard Fournette just ran right through Kyle Van Noy for a touchdown Kyle Van Noy is probably the Patriots best inside linebacker and I think they got him for like a 7th round pick from the Detroit Lions who was, he was a cast off because he wasn't going to make their roster and if you have a guy like Leonard Fournette who's obviously very powerful and very a very good runner you can do that with Ajay you can do that with Legarrette Blunt. so if they isolate those linebackers again attacking him in the passing game attacking him in the running game you will be able to kind of just consistently get an efficient offense and consistently rip off chunks The counter argument to um, uh, Patriots victory is that Actually, last year they fell off a cliff, and that if um, if Kyle Shanahan had called a couple of right plays, or if uh, that block hadn't been blown by was it Coleman, Freeman. Freeman, that that actually ends up being like forty five, twelve, yeah. or ten, whatever, and that this could easily happen if Carson Wentz was playing. You could definitely go. Well, hang on a second, as you said, the AFC is so shit that um, ultimately. <laughs> this is going to be the situation where a team can fluke its way through on fumes to the point where it's the brains of the um, quarterback and the head coach. Is that a possibility? Is, it a, is there a blowout win for the Eagles here? Is that what you're calling? Well, if you go through the Eagles schedule this year, they have blown out many, many teams and every single one of those teams has a better defence than the Patriots had. So I think they have an opportunity to win a game that you wouldn't expect them to have when Tom Brady is the opposite quarterback and you're moving with Nick Foles. Okay, so um, you're definitely taking the Eagles plus four and a half. Yes. Uh, oh, we can talk about gambling here. I'm sorry, I'm used to oh, America. Yeah, We're not allowed to talk about gambling. No, you no. can't right now. Okay, that's great. Um, yeah, so you're taking the Eagles plus four and a half. That's what... I probably would, yeah. But the, the Super Bowl, like, I know the, the, people probably already know this, but for me, even as someone who watches the NFL all the time, I don't, I love the prop bets in the Super Bowl because you get so many options and it's just it's so much more fun than just looking at the score. And that game's going to go on for a very, very long time. So you need something to keep you going. Yeah, we're either going to have to go to bed early and get up early or uh, stay up late because we've got the breakfast show on Monday morning to consider. Uh, well, listen, Kim, best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks very much for, uh, for coming in and uh, welcome to our new digs. Hope you liked it. Yeah, they're nice. We're quite nice. Right, that's pretty much all we've got time for this week. You can listen back to all of our podcasts on offtheball.com or across all of our social channels, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube in particular. Coming up over the weekend though, we're going to have our Saturday panel looking ahead to Ireland's opening Six Nations clash with France. Gary Breen and Kieran Cunningham will both be in studio for a review of the day's Premier League action on Sunday. Bernard Jackman and Tommy Martin join us to preview the Sunday papers. Mark Scott and Gary Breen will provide live commentary from Crystal Palace against Newcastle at 2.15pm. And Nathan Murphy's off to Anfield with Kevin Kilban for commentary of Liverpool against Spurs. For now, that's it. Good luck. Off the ball on News Talk. Thanks to AIR. Catch all the sports you love free on the AIR Sport Pack with AIR Broadband.